Hi, my name is Joe Martin. I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church in Toledo, Washington. I know it's kind of bright out here. Uh, it's pretty rare, right? We actually have a little bit of summer going on. I want to talk to you about um, mountaintop revelations, about on the journey of trying to follow Jesus, we learn that he takes us certain places for a reason. Now, before I do that, I want to just kind of let you know about something coming up. In Coming up in September, the other pastors and staff, we've been praying and seeking the Lord for a long time, for months and months and months, and studying and spending time considering how we can do a better job after all that's happened, all the strain, all the losses that people have experienced in the last few years, conflicts, um, people being alienated, a lot of people with mental health struggles and depression and, and grief, and what we can do to help them in their discipleship journey and following Jesus. And we feel like it's really, really important for us to um, begin a new approach in a refocused approach in helping you be emotionally healthy in your spiritual life. That emotional health and spiritual life are really the same thing. They're just different terminology. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all about being emotionally mature and emotionally healthy people. So in September, um, we're, we're going to begin a new commitment to discipleship and to and family and relational strengthening. So we're going to offer a couple of courses. One will be emotionally healthy spirituality, and the other will be emotionally healthy um, relationships. And those will be offered. And I really want to encourage you to um, be open to that, be looking to that. It may not be something everybody's ready for, but... Um, you know, this is a really a great opportunity for us as your as as God's people and and you and your family to become the most emotionally and spiritually mature person you can become for the people around you and for the glory of God. So that being said, I want to talk to you about um, out of the Gospel of Luke about these mountaintop revelations. We see in this passage that there's a way that Jesus is leading his disciples. You remember, he feeds the 5,000. He's super, super popular. But then he says, wait a minute. He says, let me tell you something. This is not, this is not what my uh, ministry is all about. This is not, this is not the defining uh, picture of what kind of leader I'm going to be, just a bread provider and uh, taking care of what the customers want. I'm going to tell you that if any one of you wants to come after me, they have to deny themselves and take up their their cross daily and follow me. And then he goes on to say, if you try and save your life, you're going to lose it. And if you uh, lose your life for my sake, you will really find real life. What does it profit you if you gain everything? You gain the whole world and you forfeit your life. And then he takes a few of his disciples up into a new experience. He, I've been telling you about this. Now I'm going to do something different. We see that he's explained this very carefully to them. And in, in Luke 9, 28, it says, we see that, first of all, Jesus is telling them something. 
Some eight days after these sayings, so he's, this is in the context, a week later, he took along Peter, John, and James and went up to the mountain to pray. Now, these were the individuals that he felt like were ready to experience what was going to happen next. But he did more than telling. He was going to do some showing. In Luke 9.29, they're praying, they're spending time on the mountain praying. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different. His clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah, who appearing in glory were speaking of his departure when he was about to which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. And of course, most theologians believe he's talking about his his death. Now, now Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep. It's, this is interesting because perhaps they were just exhausted from the trip, but they were really, really tired. But when they were fully awake, so it's kind of backing up and explaining, when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and two and the two men standing with them. They see Jesus in this place, glorified. So Jesus was telling them for a long time, but now he's showing them something about himself. And they see Jesus glorified, that that blazing, beautiful light, the Shekinah glory, the glory that they had heard about, perhaps, in the ancient times. And as, as these were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And I love this phrase, not realizing what he was saying. <laughs> well, that happens to us all, right? But it is um, worth noting that silence is probably the best decision in the place of great revelation. We can all struggle with trying to define the undefinable, and that's exactly what Peter was doing. But while he was saying this, a cloud formed and began to overshadow them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And what we see happen here is three things about Jesus showing. Jesus, first of all, is magnified. He's elevated above anything we've ever seen. Those, of course, above anything that's ever happened in the Bible. Above Moses and above the prophets. The voice, you see, Moses um, was representative of the law and the pro- and Elijah was representative of the prophets. He was magnified above all of that. His voice, the, then a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. Jesus was above it all. And the father says, Jesus isn't a peer of these ones that you just build three tabernacles and just throw Jesus in there. He is supremely above them. And this is the essential teaching of the entire New Testament. This comes out later in Hebrews 1, 
says God after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. In these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. First, Jesus is showing them that he is, he is magnified above everyone else. We see that he is, was glorified even before that, the glory of that radiance. But then the last thing we see here is Jesus alone. Verse 36 says, And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and reported to no one in those days any of the things which they had seen. Now, oftentimes this passage is talking about you have a mountaintop experience, you go to camp or whatever, and now you're going to have to go back to the valley. That's an okay application. As I said in the midweek, there are many ups and downs. But what we see this passage is really about is about you You've, you've been hearing about Jesus and he's calling you to follow and now he's showing those disciples and he's trying to show you and I something amazing that he is glorified. He is, he is magnified above all others. And in the end, it's all about Jesus alone. This is always where God's revelation should always lead you to see Jesus alone. Not among other options or among peers. Jesus alone, not your opinions. Jesus alone, not your theories. Jesus alone, not your confessions and your promises. Jesus alone, not your theological speculations and fights. But Jesus alone. You are to fix your eye on him. And all the true work from the Holy Spirit has one purpose, to show you Jesus alone. This is what John tells us in John chapter 15. It says, explains the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is the, the way God is working right now. John fifteen twenty six. when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. That's what he does. John 60, 16, 14 says, He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. This is the whole point of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is to reveal and to bring you to a place where you are preoccupied with Jesus. That's the most singular thing. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance, all the stuff that gets in the way and trips you up, and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race set before us. And then he says this, fixing, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame 
and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. This is where God wants to bring you. This is what God takes you to the mountain to show you. This is what's so important. My friend who was in seminary, one of his friends got really caught up in a whole particular school of theology and that's all he talked about. He talked about, talked about, talked about, talked about. And finally he said, you know, your theology is fine, but it's just a scaffolding. What you're really supposed to be looking at is Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit comes to do. This is what your central focus in life is, to be fixed on Jesus. And this is where you are to go when you go to the mountain, is to see Jesus alone. So that when you go to the valley, you still see Jesus alone. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and reported to no one in those days any of the things which they had seen. When you get this figured out, when you really see the Lord the way he wants you to, it'll leave you silent, pondering what to say until God gives you direction to speak. Do you know that there are some things in your walk with God that are too personal, too profound to ever talk about? Now, we are here now, at this time, and we, as a community, we're, we're here to fix our gaze, the gaze of our heart on him. Now, for those of you that are able to come to our in-person services, we're going to do that by taking the Lord's Supper. The point of the Lord's Supper, and and if maybe you get a chance to watch this a little bit earlier, you say, hey, I think I'm just going to go so I can participate in that. We are here now to seek to fix the gaze of our heart on him. To remember, to reflect on what he has done for us. To see Jesus alone. To recommit to make him the focus and to see his name above all other names. And that's what we're here to do. Just remember that that's what that purpose of that ordinance is, is to cause us to fix our eyes upon Jesus, to remember what he's done and to proclaim that out of our lives. You may, as you listen to this, you may want to say, you know, I want to respond in this way. I want to lay aside all the distractions and all sin in my life. They're getting between me and Jesus. And getting, clouding that out and making it more complicated. Moving away from the purity and simplicity of devotion to him. I want to focus on following Jesus alone. Well, that's what I really hope to hear from you. And remember that in the Lord's Supper, Paul reminded them, I received from the Lord in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which you do in remembrance of what? Some theological principle? No, of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper. This cup is a new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of what? My denominational status, how many points of a particular theology I hold to? No, in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Anything less than that is unworthy of him. So, you may want to respond to this message by leaving a comment or or, um, a response to this message on the... You can go below the screen and there's a there's a link there where you can go to our next steps. I thank you for listening to this and are watching this and pray that as we go forward together, we'll make keeping our eyes upon Jesus the focus of our own individual lives and our lives as a community. And we just, we just thank you. We want everything in our life to be in Jesus' name because he's the name above every name.